It's the most powerful demonstration of grace that, that I've ever witnessed. And the second I mention it, you'll, you'll probably be familiar with it. In 2015, Dylan Roof went into Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, and he murdered nine parishioners. On the day of his sentencing, the families of the victims were given the opportunity to stand up and speak, to speak directly to Dylan. Now, what you need to keep in mind is that Dylan himself made a statement. This is what he said. I want to be clear. I do not regret what I have done. I feel no remorse, and I have shed no tears for my victims. And then Nadine Collier, the daughter of one of the victims, stood up. And she said to Ruth, you have taken something very precious from me, and I will never get it back. But I forgive you. And then the sister of one of the victims stood up and she said, I remember my sister, she told me that we were part of a home built by love and in our home there is no room for hate. And so I forgive you. And person after person after person stood up and said the exact same thing. I forgive you. Today, we're continuing a series called Trading Up, where we're, we're, we're looking at things that we hold in our hands that we can trade for something better that, that Jesus offers us, that he tells us to cherish, that he tells us to take up and to, and to make our own. And today, what we're talking is about trading up from bitterness to forgiveness. Now, those are two very loaded words, and so for the sake of our time together, I want to quickly define them. Here's our understanding of bitterness for this morning. Bitterness is when you choose to hold on to the hurts that someone has given to you. Someone hurts you, someone wrongs you, and you hold on to that hurt, and you keep it right before your eyes. It makes you bitter. Forgiveness, on the other hand, is when you choose not to treat someone the way their sins against you deserve. You have every right to be bitter with them. You have every right to be angry or to retaliate against them, and yet you forsake that right and you refuse to treat them the way their sins deserve. That's forgiveness. You know, this story made the world stop and stare. When you trade up from bitterness to forgiveness, which is what these family members of these victims had done, the rest of the world doesn't know what to do with it. They had every right, every right to shout angry words at him, every right to point the finger, wag the finger, wish him the worst, every right, no one, no one would blame them for that, no one, and yet, in the face of having, having received such harm from such hate, they chose to speak words of love. They chose to trade up from the bitterness that was rightfully theirs and instead to offer the unthinkable. They spoke words of forgiveness and the whole world just stopped in its tracks and said, wow. Now, there's a reason that the world stops and stares at forgiveness. It stops and stares when people say, no, I'm going to lay bitterness aside and choose something else. I'm going to choose mercy, grace, goodness, forgiveness. 
It's because when, when, when you and I are hurt as human beings, we, we tend to believe a lie. And then also we, will, we live in a particular day and age. Let's start with the lie. The lie is this. Someone hurts you, and the lie that you are instantly tempted to believe is that holding on to the hurt will help you. That if you hold on to it and you, you keep it right before your eyes, that it will, say, protect you from ever having to have this happen to you again. Or that you can hold on to it and you can kind of wield it as a weapon and you can punish that person so that justice gets done. Maybe you know someone in your life who's an angry person. Like, like anger is always right at the surface or, or defensiveness is right at the surface. You know what I've found? That more often than not, someone who is kind of always angry or easily angered and defensive, more often than not, when they were younger, they were hurt. And what you're seeing is that hurt right at the surface, in their hands, right before their eyes, and they're, they're trying to protect themselves from ever being hurt again. Or often we hold on to it and we think, well, this is an effective weapon to punish the other person. They need to be punished by my bitterness, by my anger. I'm not going to forget, and they will never forget what happened. And they want to wield it like a weapon. We believe that lie, that we can protect ourselves by holding on to it. We can punish others by holding on to it. Likewise, we live in a day and age that tells you this, that if you have a hurt, you will be heard. Now, I don't want to downplay hearing the voice of victims, hearing the voice of the wounded and listening to that. That's not a bad thing, not at all. That's not only a good thing, that's a divine thing, to hear the voices of those who've been hurt and who've been victimized, to notice it and to take action as a response to it. We must do that. But here's what's happened in our particular day and age. It's kind of tricky and interesting. We, we are actively kind of deconstructing all of the typical sources of authority in our world. We're also deconstructing and, and undermining all the sources of, of morality, of knowing what's right and what's wrong. Very few things can be said with much certainty. It, it's very dangerous to step up on any platform and assert anything as a truth in this day and age, except we've reserved that right for a handful of things. If you've got data, we'll listen to you. Or if you've been hurt, if you claim that you've been hurt, we, we tend to listen to you. Again, not a bad thing, but part of what we've done as a culture is we have, we have incentivized holding on to hurt because we feel like it gives me. It's one of the only sources of cultural credibility. We have made pain very valuable real estate. And so when somebody willingly sets aside their hurt, their bitterness, their right to be wrong, to stand up and say, here's what happened to me and everybody needs to know what this person did to me, when someone forsakes that, the world doesn't know what to do with that. That's valuable real estate. Your pain gets you heard. Why would you set that aside and not hold on to it and be bitter about it? Why, why would you set that aside? Likewise, we believe the lie. It's going to protect you. You can, you can punish the other person. Why would you lay down that weapon? Why would you put down that shield? When somebody does it, the world stops and stares. Why? And the reason people of faith are, are, are willing and able, or at least should be willing and able to do this, is because we see our hurts very differently than the rest of the world does. And you see this in the words of Jesus, you see it in the words of Paul. Specifically, we see bitterness different than the rest of the world. 
when you hold on to it and treasure it. You see, in Jesus' kingdom, bitterness is blindness. It's not something good that's going to bless you. Your bitterness isn't going to protect you. It's not a platform for you. In the kingdom of God, bitterness is blindness. You see this in the parable. Let me, let me go back to a couple of verses here. Jesus' parable in, in the gospel of Matthew, he says this. The master summoned that servant to him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? According to Jesus, what's the rationale for the servant forgiving the other servant? What's the rationale? The rationale is you were forgiven. Notice Jesus doesn't say you should forgive him because it's the nice thing to do, though it is. He didn't say you should forgive him because it's more enlightened, though it is. The impetus, the reason in the parable is this. You who have been forgiven much, you should forgive much. Forgiven people are to forgive people. Paul picks this up in Colossians. Paul says, if one has a complaint against the other, be forgiving of each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. We refuse to treat people as their sins deserve because God has refused to treat us as our sins deserve. For Jesus... An unwillingness to show mercy to someone else means that you've put blinders on and you are losing sight of the mountain of mercy that has been given to you. You see, what we want to do is we want to focus on the wound and the hurt that's been given to us by somebody else. But Jesus is saying, Paul is saying, that for people of God, our focus is not on the wounds that others have given to us. Our focus is always on the mountain of mercy that's been afforded us in Jesus Christ. Where are you going to focus? the hurt that's been given to you or the mountain of mercy that's been granted to you. You can only look at one. And depending on which one you look at, it's going to be operative for you. Keep your eyes on the mercy given to you each day and let that shape how you treat others. Now, as I was wrestling with this text and this teaching this week, I thought to myself, man, I need an illustration. I need something that I can do that will help help kind of sear this into the hearts and minds of the people of St. Mark as we wrestle with this. And so as I, as I thought about it, one image came to mind, and the image is that of a backpack. Actually, two backpacks. Now, I'm going to preface this. I am not the kind of preacher that uses props. You know me. Typically, if I'm sitting in your seat and I see the preacher bring out a prop, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awful real quick. So I feel what you're feeling, but I couldn't escape this image. It's so perfect. Not too long ago, I was doing some work with some students, some high school students, and I noticed that several of them on campus, they were wearing not just one backpack, they were wearing two backpacks. They had one on the back and one on the front. They wanted to wear two backpacks because they wanted to carry all their books, all their pens, all their technology with them all the time. They didn't trust their ability to get back to their locker. They wanted to carry everything with them at all times. Two thoughts crossed my mind. Number one, you care about your education way more than I did when I was your age. And number two, this is a boon for chiropractors. But the preacher in me saw, saw a perfect 
image of the struggle of mankind to deal with its own sin and the sins of others against them. I'm going to invite Ving to come forward. Ving is our very joyful guitar player, and he's, he's offered to be my helper this morning. Everybody say hi, Ving. So Ving, just to illustrate this, uh, I'm going to have you put these on. First, I'm going to have you put on this backpack and just kind of wear it across the front right there. Okay, good? That's not light, is it? No. No, it's, it, it's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. Now, I'm going to have you also put this one on. I'll help you out. Give me your arms back here. I'm going to put this one on. There you go. You got it. There you go. Now, how's that feel? Awful. Awful. Well, you look awful, too. It just looks... It looks incredibly painful. It looks incredibly painful. Here, take a step back or so you're right in the middle. Here you go. All right, so this, this is a picture of you and me apart from the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We have two, two bags with us at all times, so to speak. The one in the back is all the stuff that I've done to grieve the heart of God. And every single day I'm putting stuff in this bag. This is all the stuff I've done wrong on my back. But then on the other side is this one. This is all the stuff that's done to me. This is all the sin against me. These are all the hurts levied at me. This is all the stuff that I'm tempted to be bitter about. And each and every day, something goes into one of these two bags. So I cut off somebody on I-10, it goes in here. Somebody cuts me off on I-10, goes in here. My kids offer me a snide remark, not respecting or appreciating my role as father, goes in here. I'm short with my wife because I don't want to help out around the house on a Saturday. I only get one day in the weekend to hang out. I'm short with my wife. That goes in here. I cheat on my expense report to put a little extra cash in my pocket. That goes in here. Somebody cheats against me. Someone breaks their word to me. It goes in here. Each and every day, something here, something here. And it weighs you down. You carry all of it with you. Now, the really good news is, if you're a baptized, forgiven follower of Jesus, Ving, you're the son of a preacher, baptized, forgiven follower of Jesus, correct? Amen. Absolutely, good. So now, if you're here as a baptized, forgiven follower of Jesus, here's the really, really good news. This one, this big one that represents all the stuff that you do, all your sin, all your mistakes, all of it, it's off your shoulders completely. Does that feel better? Yes. It does. Good. It's off your shoulders completely. It's, it's not yours anymore. It goes to the feet of the cross. It belongs to Jesus. He died for it. His blood covers it. It's all forgiven. Now, every day, are you still putting stuff in there? Absolutely, but it's not yours anymore. It belongs to Jesus. He's forgiven it. It's covered. It's his. It's all his. It's off your back. Here's the thing I want you to take notice of. It is possible for you to have all your sins off your shoulders, but all of everybody else's sins still in your hands. And you're holding on to all the hurts and all the pains and all the things that people have done to you. You can be free of this, but still carry this. And you can walk around face this way. You can walk around trying to convince yourself that it's a shield, but it's just heavy. You can bump into other people thinking that it's a weapon to protect yourself from other people, but it's not effective. It just makes you a mean, ugly person. Like, what's wrong with you, man? It's not good. But here's what happens. We trade up for forgiveness when we are willing to do this, when we realize that Jesus not only died for this, but he died for this. He not only died for your sins, 
but he died for all the sins that have been levied against you, which means how foolish is it to believe that you can lay all of this down, but you still got to carry this. You trade up for forgiveness when you realize that you can take this off. You don't have to carry all the things that people have done against you, and you can drop it at the foot of the cross as well. And now, now you're free. And now every time you do something stupid or somebody does something stupid against you, what do you do? You say, that's for Jesus. He's forgiven it. His blood covers it. It doesn't own me. It doesn't define me. I deal with it, but I don't carry it. It's not my wound. It's not my weapon. It's his to fix and to help and to heal. You trade up for forgiveness when you realize that your sins are not only off your back. The sins of other people are out of your arms and off your chest. And it all belongs. It all belongs to Jesus. Give Ving a round of applause. Good job, man. Now, the question is this, like practically, how does this look? You might say, Matt, that was, uh, that was a profound and life-changing metaphor. But what does it look like practically to trade up for forgiveness? I get the idea that, that I'm leaving the hurts with Jesus, kind of giving them over to him, but what does that look like? I think it looks like a handful of things. And you might want to jot these down. And as Martin Luther King said, this is not a one-time choice. Forgiveness is not a choice. It's a lifetime attitude. It's an attitude you adopt for a lifetime, and this attitude includes these choices. It involves grace to the wrongdoer. It involves prayers for strength and confession of your own sin. This is what it means to lay down those burdens and give them to Jesus. Grace to the offender means in thought, word, and deed, you treat them better than they treated you. And oh my goodness, is this hard. Like most of us get, don't be a jerk, don't be a jerk, don't be a jerk. But it's really hard. It's like another level. Don't think like a jerk. And don't talk like a jerk especially when they're not around other people. Hi, good to see you, good to see you. You know what they did to me? Yeah, you see how nice I am to them? I'm a saint, right? Let me show you what I've got in here, what they did to me. You choose in thought, word, and deed to treat them better than their sins against you deserve. When I think of them, I will wish well for them. When I speak of them, even to others about them, I will seek to speak good of them. And when I interact with them, I will give kindness and mercy to them. Now, I know some of us are thinking, oh, that seems impossible, which is what the next thing is for. If you want to offer forgiveness like God, you're going to need the strength of God. And so people of faith who want to be letting go of their bitterness, what they're doing is, is they are praying for supernatural strength to live this out. To do what God does for us, for others, requires the strength that only God can give. And so it's a regular heart and a posture of prayer that says, Lord, this is difficult. Lord, I want to I want to hold on to my right to be wronged, but instead I'm going to offer them grace and mercy that they don't deserve. Please, please, please help me. And then that third piece is keeping your own sinfulness before your eyes so that you are oriented toward the mountain of mercy that is yours in Jesus Christ and not fixated and obsessed with the things that have been done wrong to you. 
You know, we gather every week and we confess our sins and then God says no matter what you've confessed that it's all forgiven. Do you know you can do that the other days of the week? Like in prayer, in, 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 in mumbling to yourself as you go for a walk, you're not actually mumbling to yourself. Mumble up to God and say, I need forgiveness for this. I need your strength for this. I need your mercy for this. And know that every time when you pray in faith a prayer of confession that God showers you in mercy and grace. Be a person of confession profoundly aware of your own sinfulness and recognize that you are the greatest sinner that you actually know. And that the greatest recipient of grace is not the person who's hurt you, but it's the person you see in the mirror every morning. Keep that in front of you and then see, see how it leads you to treat those who've wronged you. Look, the reason it's important for us to have this conversation is because I know that there are people here who are hurting. Look, I, I get it that, you know, I'm not a prop preacher, and I get that this is a, a somewhat cheesy kind of okay boomer illustration. Like, I get it. But I felt a deep burden to show you something that might stick because I know that there are many of us here who have hurts so deep they dare not speak because if they do, they dissolve into tears. That there are people here who carry wounds so profound that they've, they've never uttered them to anybody else because they don't think anybody else would know what to do with them. There are people here who say, yep, I'm forgiven by Jesus. That pack is off my back, but you are carrying a profound weight in your arms each and every day, I know you are. And what I need, I need you to hear is this, is like your hurt is not helping you. It's not helping you the way you think it's helping you. It's not helping you to hold on to it. It's not helping you. All it's doing is weighing you down. It is not a shield that protects you. It's not a weapon that punishes anybody other than you. The only one who feels it is you. And I know you struggle to trust, but listen to me, you can trust Jesus. He will not let you down. He took the sins that you've committed. He can take the sins that have been committed against you, and you can hand them to him and say, you deal with them because I can't carry them. They crush me, and then I end up hurting other people. Take them, and he will take them from you. He's not only taken the weight off your back, he can take it out of your arms, too. And that's real freedom. One of the best of the dead theologians is a guy named Saint Cyprian. He was the bishop of Carthage in 248 AD, so he's like super dead. He wrote some profound things. He, he ministered at a time when, when Christianity was heavily persecuted. It didn't, joy, it didn't enjoy any, any political power. People who were Christians were ostracized. They were thought of as strange. They were treated as outsiders. And yet it grew even as that was the case. Even as they were outsiders, even as they were persecuted, Christianity grew. And, and at one point, Cyprian wrote to a friend about why he thinks the Christian faith is growing and why he's a part of it. And this is what he wrote. He wrote this in 250 AD, a long time ago. He said, it's a bad world, an incredibly bad world, still is. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people, that's us, who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure in our sinful life. 
Listen to this. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians. And I'm one of them. In a setting where, where God's people had every incentive, every reason to be bitter, to be angry about the way they were being treated in the world and their situation in the world, they chose, God's people chose to trade up to something better. They chose to be people of grace and mercy, of joy and forgiveness, and forgiveness did, trading up did, then what it always does, it made the world stop and stare and take note. And it still does. When the world looks at you, when the world looks at me, when the world looks at our church, may it see something more than our baggage. May it see people who have a secret. And the secret is this. There's something better than being bitter. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you not only remove our sins from our shoulders, but you take the sins against us out of our hands and that we get to take these things and give them to Jesus as well. But we confess to you, Father, that it is so very difficult to do. It's really hard for us to let go of hurts and pains. But we fear that we're gonna get sinned against again Help us to know that, that, that we, can, we can let go of bitterness but still protect ourselves. That we can refuse to hold on to hurts but not endanger ourselves. Like There's a way to figure this out, but help, help us to believe that we don't have to hold on to our hurts and our pains and wield them as a weapon, but that we can each and every day hand them to Jesus and ask for his help to walk in love to others in such a way that it, it reflects and it reminds the world of the love that we have been given. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.